Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series is Better Decisions, Part 1, The Integrity Question, featuring Michael Davis. So I, I gave this book to all of our graduates. Our graduates who graduated in May, um, we wanted to give them a gift uh, for our church. And so we got them this book. And I got myself a copy, too, because um, I uh, was in a cohort this summer with North Point Church, where Andy is from, and Andy Pastors. I was in a cohort with them and did some training all, all summer long with them. And then, um, so I read the book, and I was like, man, this is a series. Like, this is great. I, I am going to preach on this in the future. And so I really wanted to get to this, because I think it's so good. And, and a lot of this, you, you guys are going to agree with me on today, because you know this to be true. And, and the first thing that you know to be true is that good questions, good questions lead to good decisions right? I mean, you remember when your mom or your dad, when you were uh, younger, when you were a teenager and you were going to go out and you said, I'm going to go out tonight or I'm going out with all my friends. And they asked you all of these questions, right? They they said, well, where are you going and who's going to be there and what time are you going to be home and who's driving and is Jamie's mom going to be there and where are you going to eat and what are you going to do and how are you going to pay for that? And you were like, mom, dad, come on, why so many questions? And now you're you know, my age, and you're like, you're asking the questions, right? You're, you're asking your kids those same questions because you know this. Good, good questions lead to good decisions. When you ask good questions, things become a bit clearer. Things become a, a bit better. Uh, things become a little, you come up, become a little bit wiser because you've thought it through because good questions lead to good decisions. And so during this series, we're going to look at five questions. Five questions that, if applied to your life, uh, would make you better at life, would help you to make better decisions and have fewer regrets. And if you apply these five questions to your life, it would help us in, in terms of our business, in terms of our families, in terms of our relationships, in terms of our health. So no matter what season you're in right now, these questions, if applied properly, will make help you make better decisions. And like Andy just said, things are, de- are, are decided one decision at a time. So de- during this series, there, there's three things that I want you to do. And it's this. I want you to simply ask. I want you to an- answer honestly. And, and I want you to act. Each week, as I, as I give you kind of a, a new question, I just want you to simply ask yourself the question. And then I want you to answer honestly. But you can't just answer honestly. You can't just become better informed. You have to act on it. But if we would, our lives would become better. We would be better at life. But not only would our lives be impacted, but the people around us would be impacted as well. Because you, you know this to be true, right? You are not the only person impacted by your decisions. You, you've heard me say it before. There is not a private decision that, that doesn't become public. Every even private decision has a public outcome. Every decision that we make it has an effect on somebody else. You, you think back even the decisions that you've made, how it's impacted the people around you, maybe at work, maybe in your family, maybe in your community, or think about the decisions that you, your parents made or your grandparents made. I mean, go back a few generations and think if they just, they just would have changed a couple things, if they just would have done a couple things differently, how it 
could have changed your world. You know, my dad was here last week, and we got to interview my dad and, and just talk about his story and, and church planting, and it was, it was fun. I've never got to the opportunity to do that before. But, but even my dad, I mean, if my dad had made a couple different decisions, I mean, you and I, we wouldn't even be here in this room today. You and I, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. That all hinged on just a couple private decisions that my dad made that had a public outcome. And you and I, we're not the only people who are impacted by our decisions. So the thing I want you to think about is this. I want you to think about you never know what or who hangs in the balance of the decisions we make. We can't afford to make a mistake. We, we have to be wise. We have to be, here's a new word. Prudent. There's a proverb that actually uses this word. And this is what the proverb says. It's in Proverbs 27, 12. And it says the prudent, right? Now, I remember prudent from that Saturday Night Live sketch with the church lady, you know, where she said, well, that wouldn't be prudent, okay? But do you actually know what the word prudent means? Prudent is when you think having your future in mind. That's what prudent means. Prudent means thinking about what you're doing and where you're going because you have your future in mind. Because you want to be responsible with your future. That sounds like you, right? That sounds like me. I mean, everybody in this room, I think we can all agree. We all want to be wise with our time. We all want to be prudent. We all want to think with our future in mind because nobody plans to screw up their future. Nobody wants to screw up their future. So he says these, these prudent people, well, what do they do? Well, the, the prudent see danger, and they take refuge. The, the prudent, they, they see danger, and they go, oh, wait a minute. But, but what do you have to do in order to see something? You have to look, right? You, you've got to look. So he says the prudent, they stop, and they, they look. And they look both ways before they cross the street, and they look before they do, and they observe, and they go, all right, are we good here? And then when they see danger, they react, they take refuge. They protect themselves. They see something coming and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. We got we to gotta be careful here because we could be in danger. And he goes on and he says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. But the, but the simple, the simple keep going. And, and well, they, 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 they pay the penalty. You know, simple people, you know, simple jack, right? Some of us can be simple jack sometimes, all right? Tropic Thunder reference, all right? Some of us... We're a little simple jack sometimes. And we all know what, what that word means. It's stupid, right? It's ignorant. It's dumb. So he says, so the dumb, the ignorant, the stupid, I mean, they, they keep going. They keep going anyway. And what happens? They, they pay the penalty. They pay the penalty. And again, this is stuff that you guys already know. But another way that you and I would put it in common terms to this, and you know this, you know that you reap what you sow. That's all it's saying. All it's saying is the prudent, the wise, they, they look around and when they see something that they should avoid, they avoid it. When they see when they should pump the brakes, they pump the brakes. But the simple, oh man, man, they, they just keep on going and they pay the penalty. They reap what they sow. And so each of us, our decisions are so, so very important because we will. We will reap what we sow. And sometimes we make decisions, and, and, and the moment we're satisfied, for a short time we're satisfied, for a short time, it can seem like the decision was good, and we listen to our gut, we listen to our heart, we go off our instincts, we go off our emotions. But this proverb says, well, you can't always do that, and you can't always trust that. Because be careful. Whatever you reap, you will sow. So again, in this series, what we're going to do 
is we're going to take these questions and we're going to simply ask, we're going to answer honestly, and we are going to act. Why? Because your decisions, your decisions determine the direction and the quality of your life. It's not up to chance. God in heaven is not in control pulling strings or, 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 or opening any kind of, any kind of you know, magical doors. It's not a, God's not p- playing a mean chess game with you where he's moving the pieces. And This is about free will. These are about your decisions. And the path that you are on now is determined by past decisions you've made. And the path that you will be on in the future is determined by the decisions that you will make. That is what decides the quality and the direction of your life. So today, the first question that we're going to get into is the integrity question. The integrity question. If if you follow me on social media, I talked about integrity has been on my mind a lot lately. As a matter of fact, after this series, we're going to go into a whole series on integrity. And it was really cool to see some messages from you and some messages from other people that said, man, that is going to be a fascinating series because integrity is definitely an issue right now. But do you know what integrity is? Integrity is, is being honest, being honest with yourself. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to honesty and deceiving ourselves, the easiest person, the easiest person to deceive or to lie to is the person in the mirror. You are so good at deceiving and lying to yourself. Did you know that? That that person in the mirror, you, you are so good at at talking yourself into such bad things. Did you know that every decision, every bad decision you've ever made, you were there? Every, Every regret, every regret you've ever had, you were always there? And some of you go, no, 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 no. It wasn't my fault. It was that other person. It was my friend or it was my family member. And I get it. I know. There were some manipulative, manipulative people involved. There, were some, there was some wrongdoing. There was some trust that was betrayed. But, but, but let's be honest, right? This isn't the first time this has happened. And it didn't just happen with this family member or this friend. Every decision you've ever made, you were there for. And every regret you've ever had, you were there. You were the common factor. Because why? Because you have talked yourself into some dumb ideas. You have talked yourself into some bad decisions. You have sold yourself on some garbage that you should have never listened to. Now, let, 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 me, let me make this really, really practical for you, okay? Let, let me ask you this. If you, if you had a friend, or you had a family member, or you had somebody who worked for you or worked with you, and they constantly lied to you, they constantly deceived you, they constantly gave you some half-truths, would you continue to be friends with that person? Probably not. Would you continue to hire that person or, or work, for, work with that person? Probably not. You'd probably let them go. You'd probably fire them, right? That family member, I mean, family's family, but some of you would be like, that's not still a problem with me. I'd write them off. But, you know, at least at the minimum, we'd, we'd keep a distance from them, right? Because, I mean, if somebody lies, lies to us, I mean, dishonesty, dishonesty erodes credibility, right? So even if they, when they did lie to you, you would think, I wonder if I'm getting the full truth here. I don't know how much I can trust them. I don't know if I should listen to them. I don't know. You know, a little uh, phrase that I like, I take what they say with a grain of salt. Right? You've heard that before. If somebody lied to you or deceived you constantly, you wouldn't listen to them. Well, nobody lies to you or deceives you more than you. 
So let me ask you a question. Why do you keep listening to you? I'll tell you why. Because you are a sucker for you. That's why. But think about it. I mean, if somebody lied to you or deceived you constantly, I mean, you would, you would not trust them. You would maybe think before you spoke. You, you would be careful to take their word for it. So why do we not do that with ourselves? Because how many times have we lied to ourselves? How many times have we deceived ourselves? Here's the, here's the honest truth. You can't trust you. You can't trust yourself. You can't trust your emotions. You can't trust your thoughts. Uh, let's be honest. A lot of times you, you shouldn't trust your words or your actions because you are a sucker for you. And you have sold yourself on so many bad ideas. And you have been there for every single regret you've ever had. And you have led yourself there through some bad decision making. So what we have to learn is we've, we've got to learn to make better decisions, right? But to make better decisions, this is what we have to do. To make better decisions, you have to tell yourself the truth, even if the truth makes you feel bad about yourself. Oh, wait a minute. Now, see, this is where we get into a difference in our culture and what our culture teaches us, right? Because what does our culture tell us? What does our, our culture teach us? Oh, which you don't need to feel guilty. You shouldn't ever feel bad about yourself, right? You should, you should never have regrets. But I'm going to be really honest with you, and some of you, this is going to rub you definitely the wrong way, but I just need you to hang with me and need you to listen to me, okay? There are worse things than feeling bad about yourself. There are worse things than feeling shame, than feeling guilt. Quite honestly, God gave us those emotions for a reason. Those feelings were created by, by our Creator. They were put in us for a reason, to help us. Because here's the thing. You, you would be better to feel bad now and change than to continue to make bad decisions and feel worse than bad later. And here's what I mean by that. You, you, you all, again, you, you all know this to be true. You've, you've seen this before. Have you ever met somebody whose bad decisions finally caught up with them? Have you ever met somebody who kept making unwise decisions, bad decisions, over and over again, and for a moment it paid off, for a moment it made them feel good, for a moment it was fine, but then their bad decisions eventually caught up with them? The decisions about what they drank and about what they ate and about what they smoked, they were fine for a while, but then they eventually caught up with them. Their financial decisions that they made finally caught up with them. Their, their decisions about the relationships they have, about their sexuality, the decisions that they made in those arenas finally caught up to them. And then what happened? They had to pay a price. And for some people who add bad decisions on top of bad decisions, those accumulate. And we end up paying such a price. There's such a toll. There's such a cost that sometimes we can't ever go back from. But let me tell you something. When you arrive at those, at those places in your life, when other people arrive at those, they didn't happen suddenly. It was a path. It was a path of bad decisions on top of bad decisions and wrong turns after wrong turns that got them there. It didn't just happen after one. It just takes one to knock everything over. So you would be better to feel bad now after the first or the second or just the thought of a bad decision. You would be better to feel bad now for a moment and be able to change instead of continuing to make bad decisions and end up in a place that you never intended to be. 
Because here's we all, we all know this, right? Somebody who ends up in that place, somebody who knows that they should do something differently, somebody who, uh, who avoids shame, who avoids guilt, who doesn't listen to any of that stuff, who doesn't want to be honest with themselves, who continues to deceive themselves, at the end of the line, what do they do? They don't want to take responsibility. And we have a word for people like that. Irresponsible, right? And here's the thing. Dishonesty leads to irresponsibility. Dishonesty with yourself leads to irresponsibility. And that's where we end up. So we need to learn how to make better decisions. And the way we make better decisions is by being honest with ourselves. So the first question, the question that we're going to go over today is this. Am I being honest with myself? Now, I know what you're thinking. Yes. All right. Good. Oh, man, I got this one down. I am always honest with myself. No, nobody is a bigger critic of me than me, Pastor. I get, I get told that a lot, right? I mean, if I ask people, are you sure this is what you should do? Are you sure this is the wise thing to do? Are you sure this is the best decision for, for, for you, for your family, for your kids? Is this your best decision for your spiritual health? Oh, yeah, Pastor. No, I've thought about it. I've done the numbers. I've done. No, 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 no. I, 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 trust me. I, I am not justifying anything. And then they go into a spiel justifying their decision to me. And I'm like, I don't know who you're talking <laughs> talking yourself in. Are you talking me into this or are you talking yourself into it? Because it kind of sounds like you're writing a narrative. You're writing a story to convince you that this is okay. And it sounds like you're trying to convince me so I can give you the nod of approval. And so you can like go tell your spouse, no, no, I talked to Pastor about it. He, he shook his head yes. But I want you to know, when I shake my head yes internally, I am shaking my head no, right? I mean... Because it's clear, because I know, I'm listening to you. I know, you, you've, ta- you've already talked yourself into this. You've already decided. You've already created a narrative and a reason. And here's the line, I, I didn't put this on my slides. I did, and then I got rid of it because it's kind of cheesy. But if you are justifying, you be lying, all right? Go ahead and write that down. You tweet that out, all right? That's my Dr. Seuss quote of the day. If you are justifying, you be lying, you be lying to yourself. i got to stop talking like that because I'm white, and that could get confusing. But if, if you are justifying, you, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. So I want to give you a, a little, little key word, and it's a key word that your, your, your mom or your dad probably use. You remember, again, let's go back to that time where, you know, your parents were asking you all those questions, and they asked you some clarification and stuff. And you remember there was this magic word that would open up your soul, where, like, you know, everything just, everything was revealed. Everything became clear. All your parents had to do is say one word, and it's usually like, you know, my mom, she used to put her hands on her hips, and she used to kind of cock her head. She'd ask me some questions, and then she just had to say one word, and I just I let it all go. Everything became clear. I had to be totally transparent. I had to be totally honest. And she would look at me and say, really? 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 You know, you remember that? You know, you do that to your kids? Really? You sure that's what you want to go with? Really? Is that, what you, is, that, is that what you think? Really? Right? They would use that word. So let me use this on you. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Now see, if you ask yourself that question, you, you've got to be honest with yourself, right? But here's the thing. We, here's the problem. We, we can look at that question and so many of us can go, well, yeah, of course. I know I am. I'm being honest with myself. But here's the thing. 
you are such a good salesperson. All of you, you should be in sales, really. M- many of you, you're missing your calling at marketing. And for those of you who are in marketing, you're really bad, okay? Because you are so good at selling yourself. And here's the thing. As soon as you start selling yourself on anything, you should hit pause. As soon as you start selling yourself on anything, as soon as you go, well, <laughs> you know, of course I should. Or, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, this is all going to work out. As soon as you start doing that, as soon as you start selling yourself, you should hit pause because internally something should be telling you, oh, no, danger, Will Robinson. We are about to make a bad decision because all the time we sell ourselves on terrible ideas. This burrito is not going to hurt me tomorrow. It's going to be fine. I'm going to ingest it, and I will wake up tomorrow, and I'll, my stomach will be good. It, it'll, be, it'll totally work out, right? You know what? It is okay to call in sick for work even when you're not sick. It's, it's not a lie. It's like well, they, they don't even need me today. Like they have plenty of people, and everybody does it all the time. And it's, it's, okay. It, it's totally okay to call in sick and to not actually be sick. It's fine to look at that picture or to watch that video or to go look at that on my screen. You know what? I, I have needs. I have desires. That's not my fault. It's my spouse's fault. Or it's other people's fault. And everybody, you know what? It is totally okay to do. And you know what? I, I, it's, it's totally fine if we, if we buy this. We can make it up. It will be okay. It, will, it always works out. And, it, and it, it, it'll all be good. I know it will. See, see, you see where I'm going with this? How many bad decisions do we talk ourselves into? We sell ourselves on bad decisions all the time. All the time we tell ourselves that it's okay when really it's wrong. We tell ourselves that we're justified when really we are not justified. We we tell people it's okay when really it's not. We tell ourselves we can afford it when really we can't. We tell ourselves we should go when really we should stop. We sell ourselves on so many bad ideas. And any time we have to create a narrative, any time we have to justify it, any time we have to create a story for it to make sense, we should hit the pause button. Because we are so good at this. We've actually been good at this a long, long time ago. Uh, there, there's an uh, English philosopher from the 17th century by the name of Francis Bacon. Do you, do you know he's, who he's related to? No, not Kevin Bacon. I don't know who he's related to, but that's just who I thought of. Like when I was rehearsing my sermon, I kept saying Kevin Bacon instead of Francis Bacon. And I knew we'd all get confused. So anyway, but, but listen to this Listen to this 17th century English philosopher. This is what he said. He said, the human understanding, when it has once adopted an opinion, draws all things else to support and agree with it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, when the mind makes up what it wants, it has decided what it wants. And it comes up with all kinds of things to support it and agree with it and to tell itself it's okay. And then he says this, And though there be a greater number and weight on instances to be found on the other side, what he's saying is, is even though people may put out scientific proof or information to tell you that what you're doing is wrong or what you believe is wrong or that you are incorrect in your assumptions, well, here's what happens. 
Yet these it either neglects or despises, or else by some distinction sets aside and rejects. This is what Francis Bacon is saying. He's saying, once you've made up your mind, you've made up your mind. You know, it's interesting today in, in, in this debate of vaccines and COVID and everything else. Here's the thing. You, you made up your mind a year ago about so many of these things. And it doesn't matter what scientific evidence comes out or what proof or what article it may be. You've made up your mind. And, I mean, they could, they could settle the debate on so many things right now, and you'd still go, uh-uh, don't believe it. Not budging. I've decided. Right? You know this to be true. Why? Because you predecided what you believe. And it doesn't matter what anybody says or what any, any article or any scientific proof anybody shares with you. You won't trust it because you're stubborn. Because you've made up your mind. Because you have sold yourself on what you want to do. And so that's what you're going to do. And that's really sad on anything, on any area or any topic. Because it's almost like we can't change. <laughs> it's almost like no matter what anybody does... We're just going to stick with what we've been doing anyway. Even when people show us scientific proof that it's not working or it's not going well or we need to do something, we just stubbornly go, well, I've already made up my mind what works best for me, though. Because you're a sucker for you, and you've sold yourself on what you're going to do. And that can be a problem. That can be a problem for our world. That can be a problem for your marriage. That can be a problem for your finances. That can be a problem for your health, let me tell you. So uh, this isn't the first time, though, this has happened. There's actually something that happened 2,500 years before Francis Bacon where, where the same thing happened, and sadly it ended up in a tragedy. In about 600 B.C., the Promised Land was split into two countries, and the southern half was named Judah. And Judah had been overrun and taken over by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. And there was an advisor to the king, a, a, a council advisor by the name of Jeremiah. And he oversaw all the last kings of Judah, and he was an advisor to the court and tried to advise the kings on the wise thing to do, tried to help them make good decisions. And, and there came time for this king here, it, King Jehoiakim. King Jehoiakim was currently the king of Judah. And he oversaw the country. And what they did was is they, they paid a tribute, more like a tax, to the Babylonians. And in order for them to pay this tax to the Babylonians, um, they were given support. They were fed. They were taken care of. They were also Judah's bank. So they paid this tribute. And King Jehoiakim, he decided, you know what? I'm done with the Babylonians. I'm done with King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm going to tick them off, and I'm going to change banks. I'm going to change banks, and I'm going to change my loyalty. And so he decided to stop paying the tributes. And instead, he sent the tri tributes to Egypt, and he aligned himself with Egypt. Well, that was a really bad idea, because King Nebuchadnezzar had just lost a battle to, uh, to, to Egypt. And so King Nebuchadnezzar was ticked off and was ready to make, uh, you know, uh, teach somebody a lesson. And so Jeremiah, he came to King Jehoiakim and he said, look, you, you really shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea. This is a bad decision. But King Jehoiakim, he completely ignored Jeremiah's advice and he continued to send his tributes to Egypt anyway. And then one day, King Nebuchadnezzar came himself looking for his tribute. And he attacked Jerusalem for three months. For three months, he attacked Jerusalem. He, he entered the gates, he took over, and he, cooked, he took King Jehoiakim, and he added him to his king collection. 
If you don't know anything about King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a part of the Babylonians, he had this thing called a king collection. And what he would do is when he would overthrow a kingdom, he would take their king and he would take him to his prison and he would put him into gold, gold handcuffs. And then when he wanted to show off to everybody or tell everybody how powerful he was to kind of keep everybody in line, he would march out his king collection and each king would have his hands on, top, on front of the king in front of them. You know why they would have their hands in front of the king in front of them guiding them? Because when King Nebuchadnezzar added a king to his king collection, he would blind them and take their sight. So, King Nebuchadnezzar, he takes King Jehoiakim and he adds him to his king collection. And he names his son King Jehoiachin. I'm not making this up. King Jehoiachin, don't name your kid that, okay? King Jehoiachin, an 18-year-old, he made him king now of Judah. And guess what? Weird thing. Three months later, King Nebuchadnezzar, he just changes his mind. He goes, you know what? Never mind. Don't like this kid. So he comes back. He takes the kid. He adds this kid, the 18-year-old, King Jehoiachin. He adds him to his king collection. And then he appoints his uncle, King Zedekiah, as the new king of, of, of Judah. So now King Zedekiah is the king of Judah. And again, Jeremiah, he is the, the counsel. He, he is the, the, the wise man in the room. And he tells King Zedekiah, look, you've got to pay your tributes to the Babylonians. You've got to pay your tribute to King Nebuchadnezzar. If you don't, this will end up bad for us. But do you think that King Zedekiah listened? No. Even after what had happened to King Jehoiachin and King Jehoiakim, even after watching them being added to the king's collection, he decided not to pay his tribute and continued to send his tribute to Egypt. Well, guess what happened? King Nebuchadnezzar showed up once again. And as he approached Jeremiah, he took his speech into the streets. He went out and spoke to the people. And he stood at a street corner and he said, People, this cannot happen. We cannot allow him to do this. When King Nebuchadnezzar shows up, open up the gates and let him in and bow your heads and let him do whatever he wants. And King Zedekiah heard this and he took Jeremiah and he threw Jeremiah in a cistern. And then, as Nebuchadnezzar got there, he just sat outside the gate for three weeks. He cut off all supplies, all food, everything, and he just waited as the people of Judah starved. And as they starved, King Zedekiah came back to Jeremiah, and he said, What is it that I should do? And Jeremiah says, You have no choice now. You have to open up the gates. But King Zedekiah knew that the moment he opened up the gates, that he would be dead. So he took his family, and he snuck them out through a tunnel. But guess what? They were caught by King Nebuchadnezzar. And when he was caught by King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar took a cleaver, and he butchered his children in front of him. And the last thing that King Zedekiah saw before his sight was taken was his family being murdered and chopped into pieces by King Nebuchadnezzar. Somebody call HBO. This is better than Game of Thrones, right? I mean, this is some good stuff right here, right? I mean, whoever said reading the Bible was... Read this story to your kids tonight, all right? I mean, it'd be a great, you know... <laughs> and if you're bad, I'll add you to my king collection. Anyway, uh... But then he added King Zedekiah to his king collection as well. And this whole story, it's found in, in, in Chronicles. Second Chronicles, it's in the Old Testament. It chronicles the journey of the kings of the Old Testament in the Jewish, Jewish culture. And it says this in Second Chronicles. It says, 
Jeremiah, he says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke the word of the Lord. Now, you, you, you listen to that story, right? And you go, man, these guys are stupid, right? I mean, the first time, all right. I mean, he was trying to be bold, you know. That didn't work out. The 18-year-old, I mean, he didn't have a chance, right? But, pff, Zedekiah, come on, man. You should have changed your mind about that. You should have paid the tribute, right? And you know what? A lot of times when your friends end up in a bad season of life or in a bad spot, you look at them and you go, honey, I saw this coming a long time ago. We all knew this was going to happen, right? And you're like, come on, man. We, we all saw this coming. But you know what? It's so easy for you to hear another story or to look at another person's story and go, I saw it coming, and I don't know why they didn't. If things are so clear, how come you don't see it coming when it happens to you? You know why? Because you're a sucker for you. Because you're dishonest with yourself. Because you deceive yourself. Because you are so good at lying yourself, lying to yourself. And Jeremiah, later on, he, he writes all this down and he, he tells us exactly what went wrong. And Jeremiah says this. He says, the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah says, the heart, whew, you cannot trust this thing. It is so deceitful. You, you know what the cool thing is about the word deceitful? It's, it's, it's different than the word lie. And, and Jeremiah, I think he chooses his words very carefully. Deceitful means it's a mix of half-truths, right? And that's what we do to ourselves, right? We don't outright lie to us. We, we give ourselves half-truths. And I love what Andy Stanley says in the book, how he thinks that this happens. He says in the book, I think that what happens is, is the heart sees something that it wants. And then it sends a message up to the brain and says, brain, you need to make this make sense. You need to make this seem okay. We need to, we need to talk ourselves into this. And the brain goes, all right, okay, let me see what I can do. And then we, we talk ourselves into this. We, we talk ourselves into these bad decisions. We talk ourselves into, into doing these things that, that aren't the, what's really best for us. The heart is deceitful above all things. And then, and then he goes on and he goes, and it's, it's beyond cure. It's beyond cure. He's, he, what he's saying is, he goes, there's never a, 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 a season of your life where you grow out of this, okay? There's never a point where you mature past this or you, you become wise enough. You, this was beyond cure. It's a permanent condition. And any time that we receive news of a permanent condition, what, what do we all know? Let, let's put it in regards to our health, right? A permanent condition requires constant observation and a proactive response, Right? So if, if Jeremiah is correct and he says the heart is deceitful, it's beyond cure, meaning our whole life, our heart is going to see what it wants and it's going to send a message to the brain and our brain is constantly going to be trying to justify our actions and justify our words and justify our purchases and justify what we do and create a narrative and we are constantly deceiving ourselves, well then we need to be proactive. It requires constant observation. It cannot be trusted. And then Jeremiah says, who, who, who can understand it? What a great question. 
Who can understand it? You know, if you've ever been caught doing something wrong, if you've ever been caught and you've made a bad decision, you finally, you've been really irresponsible, but finally you have to take responsibility for what you said or what you did or what you posted or whatever it is. How many times when people ask you, why'd you do that? And our response is this, I don't understand why I did what I did, which is just another way of saying, I don't know why I decided what I decided, but I know why you did what you did, and I know why you decided what you decided. It's because you, you lied to yourself, you deceived yourself, and you talked yourself into something that you shouldn't have done. You made a bad decision because you didn't ask the right questions. But if we would stop and we would ask ourselves the question, the integrity question, this question, am I being honest with myself, really? We would find out so much about ourselves. And here's the thing. What you don't know, what you don't know will hurt you. And some of you make decisions, and you don't know why you make them. But it's just because you haven't dug deep enough. But anytime you want to find something out, anytime you want to know the why, if you, if you pin it down and if you make it tell you the truth, things become more clear. You find the, the root of the problem. And see, and that's the thing. If we would all ask yourself, am I lying to myself, really? Why did I do this, really? We would find ourselves finding the root of the problem. We would find ourselves finding the, the why behind the what. We would find ourselves the, the, the condition of our heart that's leading us to make these kinds of decisions. Because a lot of times if we would pin ourselves down, if we would look ourselves in the mirror and say, are you, are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to me? Really? Is this really what we're supposed to be doing? What we would discover is the reason we did what we did is because we were lonely. The reason that we're doing what we're doing isn't because we're justified, it's because we're angry. The reason we're doing what we're doing isn't, isn't because it's, it's okay to do, it's because we feel like we have to, because we're trying to get revenge, because we're emotional, because it's the only thing we need to do. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I'm needy inside. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I'm hurt. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I never think I am enough. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I don't feel loved. See, there's a reason. There's a condition of the heart. There's something behind the decisions that you make. And you'll never understand the why behind the what unless you pin yourself down and say, why am I doing Am I lying to myself? Really? So, this, this morning, as we look at this question, am I being honest with myself? Am I lying? Am I deceiving myself? I, I want you this week to simply ask the question. Ask the question. I want you to literally... Go to a mirror and look at yourself and name yourself by name and go, Michael, are you being honest with yourself? Really? Before you do this, before you send that text, before you send that email, before you have this discussion, before you do this, before you buy this, before you decide to do this, are you being honest with yourself? Really? So to end today, I just want to throw out some, some random questions to you and these Again, aren't pointed to anybody. Some of you are going to go, was that towards me? Okay, and I, I'm a bigger boy than that. I don't do that, okay? But, but let me ask you something. 
Why, why did you post that? Really? Why did you decide to wear that? Really? Why did you tell yourself you needed to buy that? Really? Why did you quit your job? Really? Why did you decide to look at that? Really? Why did you feel the need to tell somebody else that story? Really? Why are you still there? Really? Why did you move in with them? Really? Why are you still together with them? Really? Why did you get divorced? Really? You know the question you need to ask. I'm just making a bunch up. You need to ask yourself why you did what you did and why you're thinking of doing what you're doing. Really? And you need to be honest with yourself because you have deceived yourself into too many bad decisions and you have deceived yourself into too many bad places and you don't need to. You owe it to yourself to ask this question. You don't owe it to anybody else. You owe it to yourself to ask yourself, am I being honest with myself? Really? Now, I'm going to invite the band to come back up and we're going to end with a song that's familiar to you. But let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to ask yourself this question, and you're going to discover there's a reason why you do this. Oh, my goodness. There's, like, there's a condition of my heart. There's something I didn't even know about myself that I, that, I, that I just learned about myself. There's a reason I do these things. There's a reason I keep finding myself in the same place in my relationships and with my friends and in my finances, and we keep ending up in the same place. Oh, my goodness, there's something here. And you know what? It's going to scare you. You're going to feel like your legs just got kicked out of out of underneath you, because you're going to be going, oh my goodness, why did I not learn this sooner about myself? I remember when my mom or my dad or my sister or my, this person used to, and I used to tell them, oh my goodness, why you keep doing this? And now look, I'm, I'm repeating the same mistakes. I'm doing the same thing. What do I do? And it's going to be scary, because it's going to be a new area. It's going to be unknown. It's going to be uncharted. But well, let me tell you something. When you get to that place, it is the perfect place for your Father in heaven to come alongside you and be your guide. It is the perfect place for you to be. It's the scariest place in your life, but it's the perfect place to be because as you are out there in uncharted waters and you feel like you are treading and you are in a place that is scary and unknown, that is the perfect place for Jesus to reach his hand out and go, now, now, now I can get you. Now you've let go. Now you've given up control. Now you know you need help. And now you understand why it is you need me. And man, when we do that, that's where we understand why we need faith in someone bigger than ourselves. It's why we understand why we need our God in heaven. It's why that's when we understand why we need Jesus. So this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and we're going to sing this song. So if you'd stand with me this morning. Father God, Father God, I pray that this morning we would ask ourselves this question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Am I being honest with myself? These things that I do, these things I decide to do, these different areas of my life. Why am I doing them? Why am I making these decisions? Really? God, would you help us to be honest with ourselves? 
And whatever that honesty reveals, whatever condition of the heart it shows, God, would you, would you help us to use that point, to not, not be afraid or to not feel guilty, to not feel shame? That, that'll pass because when we turn to you, then we get to experience your grace. Then we get to experience your power. Then we understand just how dead we are. And God, we know what you do with the dead. You bring it back to life. So God, when we get to the place where we understand the places where we are in a tomb, where we are in a grave, where we are dead, where we, we need to be set free, where we need to be reborn, and then God, would you come alongside of us and would you do what you do? Would you revive us? Would you reignite us? Would you bring us back to life? Would you do something new in us that we could not do ourselves? Would you help us to be who it is you created us to be, Father God? Would you do that in us? In your name we pray. If you'd like to leave a donation, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you'd like to speak with someone from Anchored Hope, please visit anchoredhope.church forward slash high. Thank you for listening and God bless.